0: (coughs) Auntie, up. (laughs) I am not going to sugarcoat today's message. (laughs) It's a pretty simple message. It's a straightforward message. It's the message that the Lord gave me to give to you today. And he specifically, before I start this message, he wanted me to give you an example. And so he spoke to my heart to use... The example of Brother Ely, Brother Ely Karoma. Brother Ely Karoma truly was a pilgrim for the Lord, a, a pillar in the house of the Lord, and a pioneer for the Lord. For those of you who knew him, you are blessed beyond measure. If you didn't get to know him, you need to read his book, Because truly, he was a man of faith who stood on the faithfulness of God and the promises of the word. And so, I'm just going to give you one teeny tiny little snippet, and I hope I get all the facts right. If I don't, forgive me, read the book. But I'm going to give you one little example from his life. This is just one of many. Um, Brother Ely was a Bible smuggler from the age of 18, He was imprisoned. He was beaten for his faith. He had food withheld from him. And yet, no matter what he went through, it never detained him from the mission of sharing the gospel, the light of Jesus, the word of the Lord, the good news of Christ. He allowed nothing to detain him. He truly led a miraculous life of faith. So one teeny example was the night. um, So the Lord had told him, you know, that he was going to escape from Romania to America, but the Lord was having him wait for a specific day in October, and on that day, that was the time he was supposed to leave. He was with his two compatriots, the two people that were going to be traveling with him, and his family in their home, and. They gathered together for prayer, and he, you know, said he, he had to fight the fear of what was about to happen, and then, of course, he was concerned for his family. And the very sweet thing is that Sister Orica said that was a night of peace. Now, can you even imagine saying that that was a night of peace? Can you, in her book, in, in their book, I read it, they, she said that. How many of you do you think could stand in the faith of Jesus and say that was a night of peace? Amazing. That's a a miracle right there. So anyway, he stepped out. They all prayed together and said their goodbyes. And he stepped out into the dark, not knowing what was going to happen, but believing the Lord, trusting God. And as he stepped out into the street, there was... Pillar, a pillar, a whitish blue pillar, the way he described it, of like a neon light that was there in front of him, three feet off the ground and ten feet high, approximately. Physically, with sight, with his eyes, he saw this, okay? And he said sometimes, and, and so this light would appear to him and would you know, guide him at certain points. So she said sometimes he would see this light in the physical, and sometimes he would see it in the spiritual. Okay? And so, anyway, they went that night, and they went to the train, and they got on the train, and the train, I, I'm shortening everything, okay? And so the train got to the last border town before Hungary. Alright? And at the border, of course, he said that in his book, he said that there were three stations of guards, like strict, like police, special security guards, you know, that would shoot you if they wanted to. Um, so he got to the border town, and there were these three stations of guards that everyone had to stop, and you had to stop at all three. And wouldn't you know, wouldn't you know, wouldn't you know, That just like, remember Jesus, when he walked through the crowd that was trying to throw him off the cliff? Do you all remember that story from the Bible? Okay, wouldn't you know that he and his two friends walked right through all three of those guard stations without being stopped? Well, of course, that wasn't the end of the situation. So he started, they started walking through the train yard and noticed that they were being followed. And so they walked a little quicker and walked a little quicker. And before long, they were running. <laughs> and the, the people that were trying to get them were running after them. But it shows you how the, the, he listened to the Holy Spirit all the time. Because what they would do, he and his friends, is they would go under the trains, but the guards with dogs didn't do that. They had to go around, so every time that happened, the guards would lose a little territory on them, right? See how that would work? Does that make sense? Okay. (coughs) So anyway, they came to a sunflower field, and so the, the guards with the dogs were following, you know, chasing them, and so they ran through the sunflower field, and they said, you know, the, do sunflowers have stickers? Yes? So they were tearing at their clothes, you know. That wouldn't be a comfortable thing to be running full force through sunflower fields. So then they ran through the sunflower fields, and then they came to the cornfields. And of course, you all know, if you were at all raised in the country, what it feels like to run through cornfields. That's terrible. And it was slashing the leaves, and the things would, you know, slash at their skin. So they came to a point, and... There was a watchtower on either side. It was dark, and so they gathered together at a spot, and they were in between these two patrol towers. And he said they they would always cover everything in prayer. So they, they hunched down, and they prayed, and they prayed. So the dogs and the guards, the policemen, were coming closer. Well, don't you know what the Lord did? Guess what the Lord did? He sent a mighty rain. He sent a mighty rain right then. And in that mighty rain, the dogs couldn't find them. I guess because, you know, the rain, I'm assuming, would wash away the scent. Okay? So when the coast was clear, the... Um, they went to back to the train yard because they still had to get to freedom, right? They weren't free yet. And uh, so they, um, uh, this blue light, he saw the blue light, the, p- the pillar in front of one of the train cars. And so he knew that that was where they were supposed to go. So they got into the train car and the, don't you know, that the train car was filled with reed mats so they could hide under the reed mats, okay? So then the police, a policeman with a dog, got onto that car, looking, you know, searching. And don't you know, the dog couldn't smell them. So as the police and the dog were getting off, going to get off, the policeman came by and started stabbing through the reed mats with something sharp. So I'm assuming like that was maybe a spear or maybe a spear on the end of a gun. I'm not really sure what that was. But anyway, Brother Ely said that it missed his leg by millimeters, by millimeters. Can you imagine feeling that sword or whatever it was coming down and stabbing through those mats and coming within a hair's breadth of your leg? How many of you think you would move at that point? I probably would have jumped. <laughs> well, he didn't. The policeman and the dog left. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. Because the Lord had a mission, and because Brother Ely and his family and Sister Orca were committed to spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. Right? They were committed to spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. So anyway, the train car, eventually they went on that train and it took them to freedom in Venice. And then the rest of it is a whole long, beautiful story of how he came to America and started orphanages over in Romania and, and was a blessing to thousands, thousands of people you see, this is a life well-lived. This is a life, this is a family dedicated to the Lord. This is a life that has made a difference in ways that we will never know. For You know, you start with thousands, and thousands turn into millions, and it's because of a heart for Jesus. Beloved, today is a call to have a heart for Jesus. So if you didn't know Brother Ely, you now know, so you have no excuses, you, you cannot have any excuses if you did know how beautiful you have been blessed. So anyway, I'm going to go to Luke 14, verse 15. When one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, Blessed is the man who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Jesus replied, A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, come, for everything is now ready. Beloved, everything is ready that needs to be ready. You hear me? Okay. Come for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I have just bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. The servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and the alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, the lame. Beloved, you have a job to do. You have a job, a critical job. It is time to take it seriously. Regardless of the cost. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there is still room. There is still room. There is still room. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and country lanes and make them come in. Do you know you are supposed to make them come in? Make them come in. So that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those men who were invited will get a taste to of my banquet. Will get to taste, a taste of my banquet. I think the message is really clear here, beloved. You have been called to the banquet and you must be ready. You must be ready. You must be ready. You must be undistracted. You must be willing. You must realize what has been put in front of you. You must realize the grace that has been given you. The beauty of everything the Lord has put on your plate. You must realize that. And you must bring as many with you as possible. You must. This is not optional. You must. It's all been laid out and spread before you for you to have. You have everything you need. Don't say I'm not good enough, don't say I don't know enough. Don't say I'm not experienced enough. Don't say I haven't preached. Don't say any of that. You, do, you are without excuse. I'm not being hard on you because the Lord would not give this message to people to condemn them but to encourage them because he trusts you. So you need to take this message in that light but you need nonetheless to take it seriously. Okay, he's not gonna feed this message to people that, you understand what I'm saying? Okay. You, me, we must recognize the time that we are in. You must recognize the time that you are in and you must walk in the calling of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You must walk in the calling. In another analogy, I could say you have been given the keys to the kingdom. Use them. Use them. Open the doors. Leave the doors open and invite the people in to hear the gospel of Jesus. The only word that frees the only word that liberates the only word that delivers the only word that sets free jesus let's go to luke 14:25 large crowds were traveling with jesus and turning to them he said if anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother wife and children brothers and sisters Yes, even their own life. Such a person cannot be my disciple. Beloved, we must be single-minded. Now, that doesn't mean you can't be single-minded on your job. We have jobs. We have, we go shopping. We, uh, we go to school. You can be single-minded for Jesus and be a light right there where you are. He needs you to be there where you are and walk in that calling and be the light and be the salt in whatever arena he's put you in, in. okay? So we must have this awareness that anything in our lives that is pulling us off mission has got to go. It has got to go. There's no time for this. Verse 27. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, Everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. Evaluate the cost. I'm going to tell you something. It, the cost doesn't matter. The reward is so much greater. The cost is nothing. It's nothing. Think about if someone didn't, wasn't willing to pay the cost to bring you into the kingdom. Think about that. The reward is so much greater. The blessing is so much greater. So in other words, put your money where your mouth is, beloved. Come on, let's just just cut to the chase. Just put your money where your mouth is. Okay? So easy sometimes to just confess, confess, confess all day long. We have something to do. We have a very important task. Consider the costs of what spreading the gospel takes. And we know, we know there's a cost. But, and don't, don't be surprised that there's a cost. There is a cost. You will be persecuted at times. But we must make this our priority, no matter what. Brother Ely was not afraid to face death. You don't even have it that Hard. If he weren't such a nice man, he could laugh at all of us. But he had such a loving heart that he was just an encourager. He would just encourage her. Did you ever get to talk to him personally? Do you know how much encouragement that man had in him? Do you know how much of the love of God that man had in him? Because that's all you ever felt when you were around him. Just the love of God just pouring out. None of this poor me, this is what I went through, this is what I had to do, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) I don't want to hear it. (laughs) That was mean, sorry. Let's go to verse 31. Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Won't he first sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? Okay, think about Gideon. Think about the faith of Gideon. Because of what the Lord told him to do, what the Lord told him to do, he was yielded, he listened. He went to war with 300 men against thousands. Did he win or lose? He won. Because he listened to the Lord, and he wasn't moved by the odds. He wasn't moved by, oh, that doesn't make any sense. You know, he wasn't moved by the fact that his brain went on until when God said, you're going to go up against these thousands and thousands of people with 300 men. He just did it. What about Elisha? He said, open the eyes of my servant. Allow him to see that there are more with us than those that are against us. You have more with you, angel armies, hosts, hosts, hosts of angel armies. You have more with you than those who are against you. It's the way you walk every day. It's the reality of your life. Verse 32, if he is not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. You see, the things of the world do not matter, they're temporary. The things of God are permanent. This is a heart posture, beloved. What are we willing to give up? What are we willing to give up? Are you willing to give up how you're perceived by another? Sometimes even people in your family. Are you willing to give that up? Are you willing to give up the cloistered comfort of your everyday routine. Are you willing to give that up? It takes that sometimes. I don't know if any of you remember Sister Maria Gifford that used to go to this church. I mean, she passed away. But she would wake up in the morning and she would say, Holy Spirit, what would you like me to do today? She had her job. She had her routine. She had everything that she had to do. But if the Lord said... Go drive over there, she would drive over there, and she would witness to someone, and if that person needed something, she would take care of that need, and she was not a wealthy, she was not a wealthy, she was not wealthy at all, she had very meager physical means in this, if you want to talk about in this earth, she would tell me of stories where where she would The Lord would tell her to go and she would witness to someone, and that person needed to get to Jeff City but had no way, and she would just drop everything for that day and drive that person to Jeff City because the Lord told her to. Okay, now don't go just be some wild hare and get ahead of God because that will not bless you. You must hear from the Lord. You must, am I making myself clear? You must hear from the Lord. Because otherwise, you can put yourself and your family in danger. That's not smart. Okay. Are you willing to give up your pride? Are you willing to give up the lust of the world? Are you willing to give up empty distractions in life? 34. (coughs) Salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is fit neither for the soil nor for the manure pile. I, I don't want to be fit for the manure pile. Like, not even fit for the n- manure pile. I don't, I don't want to be that person. It is thrown out. Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Beloved, you must remain the salt of the earth. You have been given something and you need to shake it. so it says we have to hate our own lives well we hate our own lives by giving up the things of the flesh when we give up the things of the flesh we get the blessing of God anyway so it's not even like you've, you think maybe you were hating it but you end up with something even more wonderful you see what I'm saying so we have to give up everything that comes between us and God alright I'm going to go through Just in case, just in case, just on the off chance that any of you might think that you are not equipped. Okay? I hate to tell people the wrong, (laughs) but you're wrong. (laughs) I mean, you are. I'm just going to go through a teeny tiny, little teeny tiny, brief list of some of the things that you have learned so far just this year in this church, just this year, okay? The first five months of this year, because the Lord said it is a year of living behind the veil. We studied everything we could possibly study about how we got there, what Jesus did, and what living behind the veil really is like. You know all this. I know all this. So we, we studied what it means To walk behind the veil with Jesus. What it took Jesus to remove the veil. What he did on your behalf. We talked about the finished work of the cross. We talked about his blood poured out for you. You see, we walk behind the veil in victory with him because of what he did for us. We walk in his victory we walk in his power we walk in his resurrection we walk in his ascension we walk in his glory poured out on you you have the same glory that god gave jesus we've spoken about faith what the real definition of faith is what faith does we talked about the re- the importance of repentance not only repentance, but then consecration. In other words, not just giving lip service, but changing, yeah. changing for, for Jesus. We talked about the importance of the Holy Spirit and a yielded life unto Holy Spirit. We've talked about staying in the river and keeping intimacy with God. We've talked about signs and miracles and wonders. We've talked about unity with one another. Strife will not be tolerated in this church. If you have an issue with someone in this church, get over it. Get over it. We talked about unity with one another. We talked about being in Christ, Christ in us. We talked about being one with Christ and one with the Father, and in that communion is glory. We talked about the armor that we have. We've talked about our privilege. We've talked about our responsibility as believers to shine the light unto others, the love of God, and spread the gospel of the love of Jesus Christ. We talked about that. Our position, we've talked about our position at the right hand of the Father and your inheritance. We talked about the knowledge of the position, the knowledge of the promises that you already have in Christ. I hope this is all ringing a bell with you guys. We talked about our power in Christ with the Holy Spirit. We've talked about walking in fruit and not in works. That works don't have a place, but that works will extend from our faith. We've talked about establishing our mind, our will, and our emotions in Christ. We've discussed this. We've talked about prayer. We've talked about worship. We've talked about the love of God. And so much more. That's just a teeny list of what's been covered from January until today. You are not un- Prepared. You are prepared for anything coming down the pike. We talked about standing. And that's what you're going to be having to do. You're going to have to stand. You have all the keys, and it's time for all of us to use the keys, leave the door unlocked, and bring in the harvest. No more excuses. You have everything you need. You know, we did, we did a whole series, well, a two-part a two series, on that you have everything you need. So if you don't believe me, go listen to that one. There's a lot you can go back and listen to. So it is time for us to stand in what we know and not be moved. Stand in what we know and not be moved from the gospel of Jesus Christ. From the gospel of Jesus Christ. You will need to do this in the coming times. You will need to not allow fear to move you and to stand in God's love. The more you understand God's love for you, the better equipped because his love is what has done it all hard times are coming beloved but our faith is greater in Jesus than anything that is about to come our Jesus is greater I don't, I don't care what you're talking about our Jesus is greater Our Jesus is greater. Our Jesus is greater. Our Jesus is greater. And our God is bigger than every negative circumstance that any of us will ever face. Our God is bigger. My God, say this, my God is bigger. So, this time, this season that we're all in, The season that's coming, it's going to take something. It's going to require something of us. All right? I wouldn't be a good pastor if I didn't prepare you. It is going to require a resilience and a commitment from those who will not cave. You will not cave. Say, I will not cave in Jesus' name. Those who carry the spirit of Elijah. Do y'all remember the series that we did on Elijah for months? It wasn't this year. That was like the year before last. I would tell you if you could get that one, listen to that one. Because Elijah sounded the call of repentance. You must sound the call God is love. But we must sound the call of repentance and return to the Lord. Yes. It's a must. It's a must. It's, it's the must, most loving act that he really allows us to do, right? Such a loving act, allowing us to repent and run back to him, you know, and mercy and grace belong to us there. You will have to refuse what the enemy has to offer you. You will have to stand and refuse the temptations that come to your mind, the things that try to pull you off. You must be strong in Jesus. You have to refuse what the enemy has to offer. You will stand, you have to stand in the face of every idol that is trying to get your attention, every evil king that is trying to rule over you, but can't because of the blood, and you must refuse to compromise. Not only must you refuse to compromise, you must refuse to tolerate. You must be one of those who walks in the anointing that you have. You have an anointing from the Holy One as a believer in Jesus. Scripture tells you that, right? I have an anointing from the Holy One. You have an anointing from the Holy One. Do not ever underestimate the anointing that you carry. You have an anointing from the Holy One that shuts the enemy down because the blood has already done it And the anointing has been given to you. Jesus shed his blood for you. And nothing will compete with the blood. (coughs) Nothing. You can stand in your anointing from the Holy One. Shut the enemy down. Because you know how to stand in your God-given authority, in your God-given power, and in the finished work of the cross. Did you all get that? The finished work of the cross? Basically, it is time for you and for me to be the force... That you have been created to be and whom you actually are on this earth. You actually are. The force of God. So, you are the light of the world. Do you realize that? You're the only light. You're the only light that's here to give it out by Holy Spirit, right? You are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. You are. I am. So I'm going to give you, (coughs) this is a word that the Lord actually gave to me for Brother Ely's celebration of life. Specifically told me It was a word for for that moment. And now he's told me to release it to you. So the reason I told you a little bit about Brother Ely was so that you cannot say that you didn't know him or that you didn't stand shoulder to shoulder. Because I have just made you responsible by what you've heard this morning. (laughs) In the spirit realm. Okay? All right, and the reason I needed to tell you was just because of the first sentence of this word. But you also have no excuse because you can go get that book, and you can read that book. Okay, here's the word. And this, like I say, God means this to be an encouragement, not, an, not a criticism, because he knows that you're ready. See that? He knows that you're ready. Okay, as you have been touched, as you have walked beside, as you have walked shoulder to shoulder with my son and my prophet, Eli, a seed has been planted in your spirit. Now, do you know that you're the same seed in another spirit? Okay, you got that? You're a seed in someone else's spirit. Okay. A seed has been planted in your spirit. It is time to take notice of the seed. It is a seed of my call. And every one of you has it. It is a seed of my call. It is my call to awaken your souls unto me. It's your job, your responsibility. It is a seed of my call. It is my call to awaken your souls unto me. It is a call to awaken your souls unto my spirit. It is a call to awaken your souls unto my heart. Let the chaff be burned and allow the seed to spring forth into a mighty harvest. My children have a land of Goshen. But there is the world, a sea of humanity, living in a dying, decomposing, destructive world. You have the seed that they need. It is your time to arise. It is your time to rekindle the fire. It is a time to set your hearts ablaze. It is a time for my zeal. It is a time for you to press in and draw closer to me than you have ever drawn. This is not a choice I make for you. This is your choice. God's going to let you make it. This is your choice. My son, my prophet, my pioneer, my pilgrim, my passionate warrior, Eli Karoma, made the right choice. And his life speaks as an example that will bring you a new zeal. It is time for you to step into your call regardless of the cost. It is a time for you to rekindle the passion of my Jesus in your life. Think about that the passion of Jesus. In our lives. It is time for you to have eyes to see and ears to hear. I will answer you. It is a time to walk through the open door of the spirit of life. You must do this with intention and vigor. The time of observation is over. As you remain zealous for me, your roots will be watered by my spiritual rain coming upon the earth. And that rain in your life Will turn into a river of Holy Spirit that will bring you a refreshing, a strengthening, an anointing in me. As you remain yielded to me, that river will bring new life. Into your dry areas, bringing new harvests from which you for which you have been desperate. Yes. How far back? That one line. As you remain yielded to me, that river will bring new life into your dry areas, bringing new harvests for which you have been desperate. That river of life in me and the refreshing that it brings to you will pour over into those around you who desperately need to know me. I am doing a new thing, and I want you to enter into the journey with me. You must make your choice. My son Eli lived as a pilgrim in this world, but not of it. You are called to do the same. So that was the word. Thank you, Lord, for your word. So, beloved, the time of distractions and excuses and observation is over. You can't let somebody else do it. You're all put in very specific places and situations for reasons. And the Lord will use every, every everything that you give him the opportunity to use. God has made you mighty and powerful. God has made you Mighty and powerful to the pulling down of strongholds. And we must be about our Father's business. We must be about our Father's business. It is time that our resolve, our words, our resolve matches that our resolve matches the mission that we have been given. We must be singular for Jesus. We must be engaged and intentional, wherever you are. I'm not saying leave your job. I'm not saying he'll use you where you are, but quit hiding under the basket if that's happening. And this is for people of all ages. No one's too young, no one's too old. Don't use that excuse, I'm too old, I've, I've served my time, I'm retired now. God's not gonna give you that excuse, I'm sorry. I don't, I don't see anywhere where he says, you're retired, okay, just go ahead and step back. I don't see it. We must be wise as serpents, these times re- require, but you have a spirit of what? Wisdom and revolution. <laughs> revolution. It would be a revolution. <laughs> Not in anger and bitterness. Not that kind of revolution. Not rebellion. Not that kind of revolution. <laughs> we have to be as wise as serpents and innocent, gentle as doves. You must be gentle with the people that need Jesus. Yes. But wise. You know gentle doesn't mean that sometimes you don't give a hard word. Right. But you can always do it in the love of the father. That's gentleness. Matthew 10:16. I am sending you out. Well, let me just let me just repeat this. You are salt and light, right? Are you you are salt and light. Let me read Matthew 5:13 first. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? No, it is no longer good for anything except to be thrown in, thrown out and trampled underfoot. The scripture then goes on to say, "You are the light of the world, a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. That's you. let's go to Matthew 10, 16. I am sending you out like sheep among the wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and innocent as doves. Be on your guard against men. That means the world. They will hand you over to the local councils and flog you in their synagogues. On my account, you will be brought before governors and kings as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. But when they arrest you, do not worry about what to say or how to say it. At that time, you will be given what to say. For it will not be you speaking, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. Do you know that's a promise to you? The spirit of your father speaking through you. So we have... A spirit of revelation. We have the Holy Spirit. We have the spirit of truth. The spirit that will show us things to come and will remind us of the things that we have been taught. That's John 14, 26. We must have a singularity of heart to answer the call and we must have the tenacity, the perseverance, the persistence to pay the price why 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 should you go through some of the things that you might be called to go through okay i want to leave you with this very sobering thought isaiah 38:18 for the grave cannot praise you death cannot sing your praise Those who go down to the pit cannot, they cannot hope for your faithfulness. It is over for them. You are the one that has been called to save them from that hopelessness and that destruction. When they're in hell, they're in hell. There's no way out. If the Lord wants me to reach someone, I want to be obedient. I don't want to whine and complain and say, I can't do it, I can't speak, I can't do this, I don't know enough. I've got all these issues in my own life, so they all disqualify me. You know what? Just because you might, not, you might have a part in your body that's not healed, it doesn't mean that you can't pray for someone's healing. If we all sat around and said, I have this weakness, none of us would ever be used. You'd be totally worthless on this earth. And I don't normally talk that way, but you would be. Don't make yourself that way. Don't disqualify yourself. Jesus has not disqualified you, he has made you qualified. Those who are in hell have no more hope of the faithfulness of God. I don't want to be responsible for allowing that to happen to a single soul if God has put me in a place to do something about it. I want to be the hope. Now what happens in a person's life when you share the hope, that's not up to you but you have the responsibility to share the hope. All right. That's basically what the Lord had me share with you today.